Hi, everyone, and welcome to the July 14th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is the head of one of Canada's biggest online automotive retailing software companies. He'll discuss where consumers are at when it comes to making a vehicle purchase completely online. He'll tell us why the showroom isn't going away anytime soon, and he'll talk about a new partnership between his company and an electric vehicle startup that just started selling vehicles in Canada this year. All that and more when I speak with TAC Automotive Intelligence President John Corrado on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. John, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Yeah, Greg, great to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. Before we begin and, and really drill down, let's explain to our listeners who might not be familiar, what exactly does TAC provide? What do you guys do? Yeah, so so we're a technology provider focused in, in the automotive retail space. Um, we have a myriad of products, but really when you, when you boil it down for us, um, it's helping the consumer buy a car online, um, no matter where they want to get it from. So whether that's from an OEM or from a dealer directly, we have a myriad of products that help uh, in that process, digital retailing, credit portal, uh, even portfolio management tools that, that let dealers and OEMs get the customer back in the cycle. How important is it for you guys to be spread over so many facets of digital retailing? I mean, it would be one thing. I mean, you mentioned it, credit and, and inventory and dealers or OEMs. You really have to have a breadth of, of services this day and age, don't you? You can't just do one or two things. You have to provide the entire suite, don't you? You do. And, and you know, from our perspective, we, we let the dealers manage and the OEMs manage inventory. What we do is we, we create kind of that seamless process so a customer can pick a piece of inventory and then move right into that credit platform, if you will. Um, from our perspective, really, when we when we look at this, um, creating those synergies right between the online credit application, having a credit portal, you know, letting the customer go as far as they want in that credit journey as they you know get excited about that vehicle. That's really important to us as part of our value proposition. And I think it differentiates us in the market because no one quite does it in that kind of closed off ecosystem the way we do. I'm curious where we are in the digital revolution of new vehicle sales in Canada. Is it, you know, sort of on one end, you think of Amazon, you can buy anything. People seem to be comfortable with buying just about anything on Amazon. It shows up the next day. It's really created an online culture of purchasing. But are we close to that when it comes to new vehicle sales in Canada? Are people um, still feeling it out, I guess, in terms of doing the credit check and financing online and making a purchase online? Where are we in that? Yeah, you know, Greg, that's a, that's a great question. And I think that's, um, you know, something we're all kind of trying to, to figure out as we sit here today. I agree that there's a need and a desire of a certain customer segment to, to go through the whole thing. I think that's still fairly small, um, but but I would tell you that there is a need and desire, you know, at the consumer level to do as much as they want to do online. And then, you know, I, I would tell you our experience with with one of our customers right now would say they still want to go and drive the car and they still want to go and see it and touch it and feel it. Um, so I, I don't think we're we're quite at the Amazon level yet, um, but but I think we're on the right track to get 
you know, the right customer experience delivered to the right consumers. And, and I think that that's, you know, as ambiguous as that might sound, I, I think that's kind of where we're headed. Do you think we ever get to the quote unquote Amazon level where people are just sight unseen going to buy a car or will there always be a large percentage of people that, as you say, want to test drive that car? I just wonder how close we get to fully online, fully digital retail sales in the automotive industry, or is that something that we we may never see? I think you'll have a, a, a cohort of people who all who will adopt that, and those are the folks that um, you know maybe are, are a bit more avant garde with respects to how they they want to transact. Uh, it's a big purchase, sure, yeah, <laughs> and and you know I, I think it's a it's an emotional one too, and and I think we, we have to ensure that we understand that um, cars, you know drive a bunch of different emotions for a bunch of different people when you when you think about buying a new one. Um, and I, I think we got to make sure we understand how we that gets incorporated into any online buying process. And you know people want to touch and feel it. It's it's a lot of money and you don't blame them. Um, so so from my perspective, yeah I would tell you I think that's going to be the piece that if you can replicate that somehow digitally, then maybe you can get a large portion of folks over over that kind of curb. Uh, but if you can't, I, I don't know that you, I don't know that you will see that Amazon-like experience fully adopted. Is there a way to change those traditions and habits, as old as showrooms are, and and test drives and haggling and all that? You know, I'm 47, and that's always been the way. We've bought cars. You you went to the showroom, you checked them out, you might have brought home a brochure, you took it for a test drive, then you haggled for the price. Um, is there a way to change those traditions? Are they changing? Are dealers and, and, and companies like yourself doing a good job at that? I, I, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a, a bit of that, you know, kind of ingrained uh, expectation, right? As you kind of get your experience passed down from one generation to the next. So I, I think you've got to, we got to think about how we break that. Um, I would tell you, if you look at Tesla, if you look at VinFast, um, they still have physical locations. Now they're not in the traditional, um, you know, auto malls, right? They're in shopping malls, but you can still go in and look at the car, right? You can still go in and and talk to somebody about the features and benefits. Whether you can handle on price, you know, you probably can't anymore. But that's that's the way they've positioned themselves. Um, so I, I don't think you can totally eliminate that visit, right? I, I, you know, kind of as I said before, I think, you know, unless you can replicate the experience of seeing the car somehow, some way, um, digitally, you're not going to get rid of that. Now, to your point around haggling, they listen, you know, you get, you get these guys coming up with fixed prices. That's a way to do it. You know, that's the price of the car. It, there are no discounts. Um, that, that to me, sorry, I, I just want to follow up with that. I, I, I think that to me makes online retailing easier because there is no haggling. That is the price. Is is that something you see that it makes it easier for someone to pull the trigger on a sale when they know, you know what, that's it's never going to get lower than that. I, I, I agree with you. And I think removing that barrier um, with, with folks that have a direct-to-consumer model makes a lot of sense. I think you still have 
the concept of the individual entrepreneurial dealer who runs a different business. And and you have to balance those things. Um, and and it's and it's going to be interesting as we see you know kind of the emergence of more on the obviously on the EV side of folks that have this direct consumer model, what that might do to dealers. But you know, as you as as we sit here today, we have these entrepreneurs who are running their own businesses, who you know want to get the most value out of their product. Um, you're going to have, still have negotiations, and and I don't think those go away until something else shifts. What are dealers misunderstanding or missing or um, sort of confused by or have misgivings about online sales? Are are there hurdles there? Um, What are you hearing from dealers? What are they getting wrong, if you will? Yeah, I think the the, the biggest misconception um, that I would say, you know, dealers are facing right now is that they lose control of the customer. Uh, I would say that's the biggest hurdle as a technology provider in this space that we face, because it's not true. Um, I think what they've done is they've given their customer optionality um, around how they want to acquire the vehicle. If they looked at a piece of inventory on your lot (laughs) and they said, hey, listen, I'm really interested in that. I want to fill out a credit application and get that car. They're way further down the funnel. Sure. And and they are they are at the you know at the point of wanting to pull the trigger. Uh, I I think that the dealer fears that they'll lose some of the traction in the F and I office around products and services that they want to offer. That's not the case. The customer still needs to come in and pick the car up. The customer still at this point needs to come in and, and sign some documentation, right? I, I think that that's the biggest hurdle that they're seeing right now. And how do they adapt processes so that they don't lose those opportunities? And that's a challenge in and of itself. So TAC and VinFast have a new partnership. Um, I want to talk about that. Tell me about it. Well, we're excited. You know, we're doing all of the technology that that links that consumer um, to the credit buying uh, process. So as soon as they've confirmed an order, uh, on a VinFast, and they say they want to finance it, our technology takes over in that journey. So the credit application, sending that on to um, lenders, and, and hopefully lenders will respond quickly with an approved. Uh, we have some professional services that we're offering to VinFast um, that allows us to contact the customer here through a concierge service that we've developed um, that will help the customer through the credit journey. And, and really all the way into um, coordinating with the folks at VinFast around delivery so that all the documentation is already kind of packaged. You know, the consumer, all they really need to do is go in and pick up the car, um, sign a few last things, and, and move on through the experience. It's really a blend of, you know, I would say leading-edge technology and leading-edge processes to, you know, really deliver a, a, a fulsome customer experience for our partners at VinFast. Funny you mentioned reaching out to the customer directly. How important is that through text or email? Or it seems the phone call is kind of going the way of the dodo, but how important is it to maintain that connection, be it from your company or the automaker? Um, isn't that the way you retain them now is simply through digital communication? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, we've, we've processed hundreds of applications so far for VinFast. And I would say the lion's share of those, the communication method is either email or text. Um, and, and the consumer wants it when they want it, how they want it. Um, and the prevalent nature of that communication is either email or text. And that's okay, right? You got to meet them where they want to be met. Now, there's always a segment of customers that want to, you know, to talk to you on the phone. Um, I would say we're fielding, you know, 50-ish phone calls a day, uh, but we're sending out way more than that in emails and texts. I'm curious what the differences are in working with relatively new companies in the market, such as VinFast and legacy automakers and their dealers. Is it is it a stark contrast? Do you notice a lot of differences? Or are there similarities that, you know, the average person like me doesn't see from looking inward um, at these uh, companies? So, so for the average person, I, I don't think that they would see much of a difference, right? There's a showroom. It's in a mall. Mm-hmm. It's not in an auto mall. It's in a mall. There's a delivery center where I go to pick up a car. That's more, more like a dealership that I'm used to. But when you, when you kind of strip that back and you look at it, um, from a process perspective, what you have is you have homogeneous processes across um, these startups because they can leverage economies of scale because there is no franchise dealer involved. Right. Um, whereas in traditional dealerships, I'll go back to what I said, you got these guys that are entrepreneurs or the own dealer groups, very entrepreneurial. Um, they see what works inside their four walls as big as those four walls might be, you're talking about dealer groups, those things are expansive. Uh, but it's it's not built on, you know, a bunch of OEM processes. There's some OEM standards you have to maintain. But the processes within your dealership are totally up to you. And, and I think that's the difference. Um, and, and I think when you look at look, trying to deliver, you know, a, a customer experience, you know, folks like VinFast can be very standardized across the board uh, because they're they're looking to deliver that car. There's a way to do it, um, and they don't they don't or they're not really encumbered by anything else other than that. Um, so I, I think that's probably the main difference. You know, from a consumer's perspective, you're looking at it. You know, I went to pick it up at at this you know delivery center. It looks like a dealership to me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Does it make does it make your job difficult though when you're dealing with um, a legacy automaker's dealer or dealership group because they have their own ways because they're so different franchise to franchise or dealership to dealership? Does that make your job more difficult? And is it difficult to convince the entrepreneurs that you're talking about to change their ways? It, it does, and and that's our our challenge. Um, and honestly, you've got to fight. You got to find the folks where it's the right fit. Gotcha. I, I certainly would never say that we have a one-size-fits-all platform. Um, and and I would say it, it really has to align with what the dealership or the dealer group wants to deliver. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be so bold to say that we, you know, we would be all things to everyone because that's not true. Uh, but it does make it hard for us. We have to, you know, seek out those right partners on the dealership uh, and other OEM side. And, you know, we're certainly working through that now. I'm curious, what kind of savings does online retailing offer traditional dealers? If you can convince them to do more of it, um, what kind of savings are there for the dealers and the automakers? 
you know, I, I think that's interesting word when you say say savings, right? I would say it increases your opportunity. Okay. Um, I think it's up to each individual dealer or OEM to understand how um, the digital retailing environment is going to impact their in-showroom um, or in-house um, processes with respect to F&I, et cetera. Um, but I think it increases your opportunity when you when you look at how people want to be engaged. And I would look at it from an opportunity perspective and not not a cost savings perspective personally. How, how do you not miss that opportunity? What what should dealers be doing or or researching or looking at or talking about so they don't miss the opportunity? Uh, understand that a credit application isn't good enough, and and tie it to your inventory. And I, I honestly, and, and if you use my platform grade or if you use something else that makes more sense for your dealership, that's fine too. But if somebody's on a piece of inventory, make the credit process available to them there and tie, you know, that application, whatever they do to that piece of inventory. Because when you call them back, you want to know what you're talking about. Right. Or when you send them a text or when you send them an email, you want to say it was on that car. That Um, particular make and model? Connection. Yes. That specific piece of inventory. Gotcha. That's the connection you want them to make. Because if they're shopping anywhere else online and, and they have a, you know, they, they purchase something or an inquiry about something, it's about that specific product. It's not about a generic car, right? You want to make sure your processes are lined up in your, in your uh, dealership to recognize that. You know, they, they inquired about that specific vehicle. Make sure you're responding about that specific vehicle. And the credit application that went with it. John, terrific conversation. Good insight. Um, Very much appreciate the chat today. Thanks very much, Greg. It was really a a pleasure and an honor to, to speak with you today. I'd like to thank John for being my guest. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.